All right. Good morning once again, Lifehouse family. Everyone good? It's going to be an awesome, awesome day, man. We are in part two of the Church Is series, and I'm excited. Um, next week will be part three. And actually, this has kind of turned into a four-part series. Like, it was supposed to only be a three-week, and kind of just from how things have turned out, it's going to be a four-week. Um, so we're going to be continuing the con continuing this throughout the month of November, and then we're going to be starting a Christmas series in December, starting December 3rd, and then on Christmas Eve. Uh, that's coming really fast. Anybody, can anybody believe, like, it's, you know, like, I just want to blow your minds real quick. Thanksgiving is in 12 days. <laughs> what in God's holy name happened? Like, this year has gone by so fast. So Thanksgiving is in 12 days. So you want to go and get your turkey, go out and get your sweet potatoes, go out and get all that stuff. But hallelujah, I just got excited thinking about food in church. Praise God. Listen to me preaching, though, okay? I know, I know how, church, how church people are. About 11.10, 11.15, that stomach starts to growl. And, and what I'm saying gets lower and the growl in your stomach gets higher, right? So, you, you know, you want to make, make sure you're like, nope, 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 no, 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 John preach. All right, so, hey, a couple things before we, get, before we get going. First off, we've got some brand new um, tools, tools for you uh, to, in, to invite people to Lifehouse Church, all right? First off, we, we have, um, we have, brand new invite cards if you want to take some of these next steps booth have them and also door hangers how many of you came because of a door hanger anyone here one okay all right one we got anyone anyone, anyone else all right uh, you know what they don't work all right don't 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 use a, i'm just kidding i'm just kidding all right maybe how many of you came because of a postcard Postcard. We got some postcarders here. All right, postcard people. All right, awesome, awesome. What about Facebook? How many of you came because of Facebook? Facebook's the way to go. Go, man. I, I, I tell you what, man. Facebook, you get bang for your buck, no doubt. All right. Anyway, these honestly, seriously, do do work, man. What it what it does? It lets your your neighborhood know, hey, there is a church for them. Whether no matter who they are, they're welcome here. Okay. You can hang those up. Also, two invite cards. And my favorite, this is how you know you are a diehard lifehouser or not. Okay, you get a yard sign <laughs> and put it in your yard. Meeting at a theater near you. If you want to start conversations that you've always wanted to start with, with your your neighbors and talk to them uh, about church Jesus but it's just kind of been awkward it's like hey how you doing do you know Jesus you know it's like how do you how do you start the conversation how do you get it get it going we have a great way for you a yard sign like what are you talking about a theater oh oh yeah church me oh really church it yeah church in a theater it's really good they get free coffee donuts Starbucks man it's awesome man they got a stuttering preacher yo I'm telling you you want to come and talk to this guy man you want you know you know dude I'm telling you you want to come and check this church you know so so look what this is we want to make it easy for you to invite people to church because we because look we know it can be awkward so we want to put tools in in your hands to help to help you invite people so right after service we only have 20 of of these 19 does anyone want this anyone want this okay the alfords all right we got some diehards there y'all can have that all right right after service though we we've got 19 left so right after service go out to the next steps booth grab one if 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 you want 
and promote Lifehouse, right? It's all for Jesus' glory, right? Life change through Christ. Secondly, Lifehouse youth. Any 6th to 12th graders here? Any of you have 6th to 12th graders? All right, look, 6th to 12th grade, Lifehouse youth. We're going to be having a Thanksgiving feast. November 19th, next Sunday at 5.30 p.m. at City Life Church, 311 Selden, Selden, Selden Road in Newport News. We're, we're going to be having a Thanksgiving feast. Kristen's signing. He's the person that oversees, that oversees youth here for us. Um, I'm going to be sending an email out um, tomorrow letting you know all of the details uh, about that. But if you've got teenagers here, there is a place for them here at Lifehouse. Starting in January, we're going to be starting something uh, we're, we're actually going to be starting Lifehouse Youth Weekly, uh, where we're, we're basically we're going to be doing either Thursday nights, Wednesdays. I'm not 100% sure what Christian has in mind for what he's going to be doing. I should probably ask him about that, huh? Uh, what, he, what, what he's going to be doing for our 6th to 12th graders, it's going to be awesome. And that's going to be starting in the brand new year, which is like coming up very, very quickly. All right. So if you are 6th to 12th grade, get plugged in there. All right. Announcement's done. All right. So. Last week, we started a brand new series called The Churches, because um, basically the concept's this. Um, many, many years, the church, the, the church in this country has been a joke. Pastoral scandals, the church abusing, misusing, manipulating people. Um, and basically, we said this. What would it take for the church to go from being a joke to being a hope? Because honestly, this is what we see the church as. The church is the hope of the world. And the church is supposed to be like its founder, Jesus. But honestly, many, many times we see churches, unfortunately, don't look anything like Jesus. They kind of look more like, you know, United States Christianity. Which, which dude, there's a big difference between Jesus and Christianity in this country. So basically... We said this, when Kristen and I planted this church, we said, what qualities, what core values do we want to have that we pray would take us from being a joke to being a hope? And, and, we, and, and we basically prayed and said, look, God gave us five or six, six core values that we said we believe that would take us from being a joke to being a hope. And last week, we talked about the first three core values. And I encourage you, if, if you were not here, jump on iTunes. Jump on SoundCloud, jump on YouTube, and check the podcast out, because today we're going to jump into our fourth core value, and that is this, discipleship through relationship. Discipleship through relationship. I don't know if there is a more churchy word than discipleship. Like, I don't know what are the context in life you would use the word discipleship. Um, you know how there's this, like, church words? Christianese is what I call it. It's like you can talk to somebody for a couple days, and if they start using certain words, you're like, they were in church. <laughs> That's church folk right, right, right there. Ain't no doubt about it. Ready for one of them, justification. They start talking about justification. If they start talking about sanctification. If they start talking about the blood of Jesus Christ, but no one likes to talk about blood except in the church. But that's how we're saved, right, is the blood of Jesus. But also, too, this word fruition. 
You know someone's been in church. If they start using the term fruition, business or something like that, yeah, yeah. Do you know what? If we invest here, our stock will come to fruition. You're like, you were in church, bro. What church do you go to, man? <laughs> do you go to church? What church do you do you, do you go to? Because I mean, what other context do you use the word fruition at? Then besides people prophesying, <laughs> you know, like what's going on in your life? It'll come to fruition, you know. And and it's like so so, but you know, here's the deal. Discipleship is one of those words that is extremely churchy, and that is really a big part of church of church culture. But honestly, if somebody came up to you and said, "Define for me discipleship," what would you say? Uh, yeah, um, praise God. <laughs> praise the Lord. Disciples of Jesus, yes, discipleship, right? It's like, what is discipleship? And we can get into this whole U.S. Christianity thing, and, and oh, it means to know about God. It means to kind of like know what, what Jesus taught, is to be a disciple, someone that is a student, someone that is, you know, but like honestly, if, if we were honest, like I don't think any of us could actually give, and, and I mean some of us too, some of you, you've been in church for a, you know, a long while, so you could give a decent definition of what discipleship is, but if we're honest, we see that word, and since it isn't used in our culture, it's hard for us to give it an accurate description, and that's why I tell you this, when you're studying scripture, always go deeper than the surface. Don't just take it because, you know, because the Bible was written to a specific people at a specific time, so really the Bible has got to be interpreted, Right? It's got to be interpreted. You, you got to do some actually work digging to kind of say, all right, what is Scripture telling me, and how does this apply to me? How does discipleship, what did it look like back in Jesus' day, whenever Jesus had disciples, but what does it actually mean for us right now in the church if that is one of our core values that, look, we want to see disciples made through relationship. What does that mean? How is that going to turn the church from being a joke to a hope? discipleship. So what we're going to do, we're going to dig in and we're going to see what did discipleship mean back in Jesus's day? Whenever he called disciples, what did that actually mean? One of the final commandments that Jesus gave in Matthew 28, he said, go and do what? Make disciples of all what? Nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So Jesus said, look, one of the last things that he did, he said, go and make Disciples, just as I did disciples, made them, go out and make them. So what does that actually mean? So look, we're going to do some cultural work here, kind of kind of go back into the Jewish day. So I really need you to stick with me, all right? Really need you to stick with me. Can you do that? And then we're going to, I appreciate you, dog. I've got a five-year-old over here, a six-year-old over here. That's what I'm talking, talk, that's what I'm talking about. Stick with me. And then we're going to talk uh, about how the church is family. Church's family, all right? Discipleship. In Jesus' day, Scripture, the Torah, was, was kind of the center of the family. The Old Testament books, that was kind of the center of their um, um, teaching. Whenever they were, they, they were like taking kids, raising them, putting them through, through school, what they would actually learn is the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. So basically, they would go into the like school that they had, and and um, and basically that's what was used. 
for them to learn how to like write, learn, talk, all of this stuff. And they would actually memorize large portions of the Old Testament scripture. And this went up until they were about 10 years old, 11 years old. Up to that point, after that, most kids, guys and girls, would then go into the family trade. It was like, all right, cool. You know, you, you know what? We, we, we know how to eat or eat. I'm really hungry. We know how to um, talk, write, all of that stuff. Now, now though, you're, you know what? At this point, you're either going to go into your family trade and kind of go into like farming, olive, olive branches, wine, you know, whatever the family trade was, or you're going to kind of go into basically high school, middle school, kind of, kind of a second tier level where then you go from, 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 from learning about the Torah text into now you start debating it, talking about it, breaking it down, digging in deeper. And so basically, you know, you probably had about 10 or 15 percent of kids go to this next, you know, go to this next level and they would have a different schooling for them. And basically the, 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 the city's rabbis would teach that. Um, so basically that 10 to 15%, they would keep on going to school, learning the text Torah. Um, and then about 15, 16 years, years old, they would kind of come to this point where it would be like, are they one of the best of the best? It's kind of like, all right, you know what? They, they kind of know the Torah. They can kind of like talk about it, debate it. Da, 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 da. But now are they going to go to that next level? Because, because basically if they say we're going to go to that next level, they are saying they want to make what they are is a teacher, rabbi. They said we're going to basically be a teacher of this Torah. Or it's like, you know what? You know what? This has been awesome. Got really good schooling. But now at this time, I'm going to go into my family trade. So basically, if they wanted to go into this third level, in order for them to go to this third level, a teacher, a, a rabbi, would have to kind of see something in them. They would kind of be the, you know, the, the best of the best, the A students, the valedictorians, those of you that got 4.7 GPAs. I don't even know how you get a 4.7 GPA, right? But it's like they got the 4.7s, the 4.8s. They're the ones graduating college before they even graduate high school. How does that happen? It's like they are like the best of the best, the, then say, all right, I think I want to go to this next, next level here. And, and basically, rabbis, if they saw something in these students that said, I think they got it. I think they've got what it takes to not just know what I know, but to be like me. Rabbis would go to those kids, go, go to those 15-year-olds or 16-year-old kids, and they would say this, come and follow me. Some of you are like, oh, I've heard that before. I think, I think Jesus said that, didn't he? Right, and basically, discipleship back in that day was not just a, you know, know what the teachers know. It was a, you don't just know what they know, you are saying, I want to be like you are. Think, think about this. Whenever Jesus went to these disciples, Matthew chapter 4, I think we've got it here. Matthew chapter 4, he, he goes to fishermen. So, so, you know what, basically, these are guys that have already said, we're going to go into the family trade. We're, we're not the A-team. We don't have the 4.7 GPAs. We are not those that, that, you know, that are like really, really smart, really, you know, 
really, really this? Jesus goes to those people and he says this, come and follow me. These fishermen were like, hold on here. I know this process. I know. First off, I know this Jesus guy. He's teaching like some crazy stuff. He's like healing people. He's like healing people, teaching. He's doing all, the, all of all this stuff. Why is he coming to us when we're out fishing? Why is he coming to us saying, come and follow me? Does he know who we are? We're the B team. I quit school at 12. I didn't want to learn no Torah. I wanted to eat fish. I wanted to do man stuff. I didn't want to memorize the whole first books of the Bible. I don't care about that. But Jesus, he didn't go to the 18. He didn't go, go to all those that, like, had everything learned, that were really, really schooled, that were so, so smart. He didn't go to them. He said, I'm going to find some people that I know I can trust, that I can pour into, that I can basically say, you are going to become not just know what I know, but you're going to become like me. I'm going to go to them. I'm going to say, come and follow me. So he goes to them, and, and he basically said, hey, come and follow me. And didn't you think it's, like, there's always weird how all the disciples just, like, dropped their nets and followed him? Has anyone else ever thought that that was odd? Like, almost weird? Like, they're, okay, Jesus, whatever you tell me to do. You know, it's like they're just like robots, you know. It's like, all right, Jesus. But they knew this process. And when, when Jesus came to them and they said, hey, come and follow me, Jesus was basically telling them, you can be me. And no wonder they dropped their nets and followed him. Because they said, if we can be like him, who cares about fish? If we can do what he does, who cares about our family trade? And so Jesus calls them to be what? Disciples. And, dude, this discipleship process was super intense. Basically, they would leave everything, and they would their whole goal, their whole purpose in life was then to be like was to be like their rabbi, be like their teacher, to be like the one that called them and wants to pour into them. Their whole goal is to be like the person that they are following. They even had a slogan for it back in that day. It was called, in the dust of the rabbi. Wherever the rabbi walked, they were right there in his dust, following him, listening to him. There were even story students would, would follow their teachers into the bathroom because they didn't want to miss one thing their rabbi said because they were so passionate about wanting to be like their rabbi, like their teacher. That was discipleship back in that day. I feel like it's kind of changed in this culture where it's, it's kind of like we love to follow Jesus until it's like convenient. We love to follow Jesus on, until it kind of hurts some. And really, man, Jesus, you saw this. Jesus would call people. Whenever Jesus was out teaching, preaching, and trying to find disciples, he, would, he, he said some crazy stuff. He said, if you try to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you give yourself for me, you'll find it. He said, do not be anxious. Stop worrying about food and clothing. You can't even control what happens tomorrow. Why are you going to focus all your time, energy, talent on today? Like, just, do, just, just, just chill out. I've got your back. Do you see me feeding and, and clothing all of these plants and trees just as I do them, and they don't even ask for it? I got your back. 
don't worry, don't be anxious. He said stuff like, where your treasure is, there your heart is. Basically, he's saying, if you want to know where your heart is, follow your pocketbook. Jesus did not come for half of you. Jesus did not ask you to follow him with part of who you are. He did not ask you to follow him with only the parts that you feel comfortable giving him. Jesus came and said, I came to give you life and life abundantly. But the only way that you'll find true, everlasting, real life isn't by, give, isn't by trading in part of you for part of, of me. I don't want part of you. I want the whole thing. And Jesus came and he called these people to, a, to kind of a, a trade saying, I'm coming to build a new kingdom, one that isn't built on power. One that isn't built on, on, on wealth. One that isn't built on people serving you. One that isn't built on unforgiveness. One that isn't built on just on exercising power to get what you want. I'm going to come and I'm going to live and show you what a true living kingdom looks like by the way that I live my life. And in scripture, we see Jesus doing exactly that, saying, I'm showing you what God is like and who God is. Jesus in scripture, in case you forgot, is God in the form of a human being. Everything he says is from God. Every, every, everything he does in, in every situation is what God is and what God would do. That's why I want to encourage you, read the gospels. Because whenever you read about Jesus, you are not reading about some good teacher. You are, you, you, you are not reading about some, some good spiritual teacher. You are hearing and seeing and reading about God in the form of a human being. So Jesus, he comes and basically he, he makes these crazy statements. And people want to kind of hold on to things. But here's the deal. Discipleship is basically you saying, I want Jesus more than anybody and everything. It's basically saying, I'm going to trade what I think is good, what I think is right, what I, what I feel as being the right things. I'm going to lay them down, and I'm going to put my trust and hope in Jesus. And saying, Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go to whatever you call me to. And here's the deal. Jesus submitted himself to Scripture. You can't love Jesus and not love the Bible. Some people love Jesus but don't like the Bible. You, you can't do that. Jesus himself submitted himself to Scripture. Think about it. Whenever Jesus was being tempted, he didn't say something that he just made up. Do you know what he quoted? Old Testament Scripture. His strength and his power came from the word of God. Jesus didn't submit to what he felt was right. He submitted himself to what was written down as being God's word. Following Jesus will sometimes take you surrendering what you feel is right and what your proclivity is and saying, Jesus, I trust you and what your word says. That is what following Jesus is. We see Jesus saying, I'm not going to follow. I'm going to follow what God's word. He calls us to scripture, and then he calls us to do this, surrender. Discipleship is basically saying this, Jesus, I throw up the white flag. I understand 
that the way I'm living and the way that I'm, that I'm doing things is counter to what you say and to what you do and to, and to what your ex- example is. So I'm going to enter into this process of discipleship to be like you. And here at Lifehouse, we cannot have a church that looks and acts like, like Jesus if we don't have individuals that look and act like Jesus. I can cast vision up here all that I want to. We can talk the game, but we got to walk it. And the process that God puts us in to be like Jesus is called discipleship. And we believe here at LifeHouse that it is discipleship in the context of what? Relationship. Why? That's how Jesus did it. He called 12 people and said, follow me. And you're going to follow me, and you're going to be like me. And do you know who Jesus called? Like, Jesus called the biggest array of, like, a red. You talk about a ragtag group of people. He called fishermen, which, you know, Peter, I mean, he probably cursed like a sailor. I mean, he was probably that guy. And I mean, you know, just kind of just imagine Peter. I kind of see him as, as almost like a pirate. Beard, teeth, teeth, teeth missing. Arr, you know, it's like he was, he was like a rough and tough, like, like a rough and tough, like sea guy. Andrew, his brother, was probably the same way. And then you got Matthew, who's a tax collector. Who was on, I mean, he went around and beat people up and took their money. He, they were like for the government. He was like the IRS mixed with, like, MMA. So he could, like, go out as the IRS, ground and pound people, and take their money, and there was no law set up for them to do anything. He was the law. He made it up as he went. He could take percentages, whatever he wanted. Did not matter. Jesus came to him and said, follow me. He threw his tax stuff on the ground and said, let's do it. But then Jesus called Simon the Zealot. With Simon the Zealot, Zealot, do you know what he was zealotness of? The government. Like his whole life was set up to hate the government. Like he hated the Roman Empire so much. His zealots, what they did is they basically said, how can we destroy the Roman government without getting murdered? Without getting crucified? So you've got this ragtag group of people, fishermen. You've got a person that worked for the government. You've got a person that hates the government. And then it's like, Jesus calls these people, and he's like, hey, follow me. I'm going to turn all y'all into me. Just imagine the talks that the Bible doesn't record. (laughs) Just because it's current to us, I'm going to, like, say this, all right? Should I, Jesus? Okay, yeah, I'm going to say it. But it's like. That'd be like Jesus calling a Trump supporter and then Obama supporter and someone that hates the government and they're passionate about it. Like, they're so passionate for it. Like, they'll fight. They'll, I mean, they'll, they'll argue. Like, their candidate's right. This is right. That's right. Doesn't matter. Right? Like, and, and just imagine you get 12 of them dudes together in a room that are passionate, they know what the other person did. They know they had a Trump sign in their yard. They know they had an Obama sign in in their yard. Like all of them know what the other person's stuff is, and they're all in this group to follow Jesus. And Jesus said, this is the context. This is the vehicle. This is the way that I am going to form disciples that are going to change the course of human history. And we're a direct result of that. 
We're a direct result of all that stuff that Jesus, like we're here sitting in this room now because of the 12 disciples that said, we're going to go out and make and do what Jesus said, make more disciples. We're sitting in this room because of that. But the, but the vehicle that Jesus used to make disciples that followed him that, that said, we're going to take you and make you like me was relationship. It was not, hey, come to class five times weekly. I'll see you Friday at 8. They, they left everything, and they said, we're in this. We're going to follow you. And they followed Jesus wherever he went for three years in relationship, ate together, slept in the same area, ate together. I mean, I mean it's like, you know, probably, and I mean, I don't want to be crude, but, you know, I mean, it's just like, you know, just, I mean, they live life together. Just imagine 12 college guys together. It's a mess. Like, college guys need help, right? Like, I, I remember Kristen saved, saved me. I was 23 years old. We got married, and I don't think I washed my sheets for like two and a half years. You know, it's like, it's, it's just a college guy. You just live, right? You're just trying to get, get by. You know, you got corn dog. I see women's faces here. They're like, oh, my God, that's the most disgusting thing I've ever heard in my life. I was a college guy. I was eating corn dogs, like whatever I could find just to get by, right? Thank God she saved me a little bit from that. But so just imagine 12 of these people following him. That was the context. So basically, we're going to say at LifeHouse, if we're going to see disciples made, not just the church grown. Because here's the deal. We're not just, we're not interested in just growing a big church. I'll be honest with you. If we want to, we, we want disciples of Christ. We want people that will say, look, I'm in this thing. I'm not perfect. I've got a long way to go. Join the club. We all do. We all come to Christ at different, at, at different levels. We all start at a different level of discipleship and following and following Jesus, no matter who you are, you're welcome to start here. You're, you're welcome here. We're going to help you. We're going to pour into you. We want to love you. But look, it's like we're not interested in just growing a big church here. We are interested in seeing disciples of Jesus Christ made. Because we believe what, what Jesus said. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through him. He is the way. And he offers us Life here and life eternally. He offers us what true life looked like and what true life is. And so we want to help people experience that. So discipleship through relationship. And what we do here is something called life groups. It's kind of smaller groups where we say, look, Sundays are awesome. We want you to keep, keep coming Sundays. We, you know, you know we, we believe in larger gatherings like this where just look in this room here, man. Different colors, ages, races. I mean, this is heaven right here, y'all. And we all come to, together not flaunting a political party member, not flaunting how good we are, how great we are, how rich we are, how poor we are, how this and that we are. We come together under one name, under one cross, and that is Jesus Christ saying, at the foot of the cross, everyone's equal. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how good you've been. It doesn't matter how bad you are. When we come under the cross of Jesus Christ, all of us, when we're in this place here, we're and we come together, and you're welcome here to worship with us. But then we also believe as the church gets, hey, look, we want, man, we hope to get to two services. I don't know, maybe even three. Because, look, if the church is growing, people are, people are finding Christ. We want that. We want people to find Christ. We want the church, who knows? But here's the bottom line, too. We don't want to just have big groups. We don't want to be a church with small groups. We, we, we want to be a church of small groups. 
of life group saying, look, this is awesome. This is great. We can sing, worship, hear the word of God preached. It's awesome. But at the same time, we believe true life change happens when you get into relationship, when you get into community, when you get into family. And I've had an incredible time leading my small group. Kristen and I, we started a young, well, actually, it's not young, young, young married couples. Paul's in it. No, I'm just <laughs> I love you, Paul. <laughs> Uh, Paul and Bernita, they're, they're, they're in it. Bernita's young, but sure not. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> young married small group, man, and, 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 and we've got a bunch of different couples in there, and, and we're living life, talking about stuff, encouraging each other. And I mean, honestly, it is where the bread and butter is, man. Getting to actually serve, serve others, have them serve you, know people's names, they know you. It has just been incredibly awesome, man, getting to actually know some people, and this is where the bread and butter happens, man, is in the context of relationships, of saying we're going to follow Christ together in the context of relationships. And it's funny that the, 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 the vehicle that God used was community. Because I don't, I don't know if, 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 if you, you know, kind of family, community style, I've noticed a few things about community and family that I've just kind of seen, and, and just from having my own family of uh, a wife and three boys, six, three, and one, there's a couple things that I want to tell you about the church is family, the church is community, um, and, and I just want to teach you really, really quick about a few things that if we're going to see that actually happen, if we're going to see discipleship through relationship happen in this church, we're going to have to realize a few things about community, and we're going to have to realize a few things about family that we probably already know, but I just want to teach you briefly. First off, family is messy. <laughs> yeah, family is messy. Um, last night, I was cleaning off macaroni and cheese off my couch that my kids just, I don't know, they decided that instead of putting it in their mouth where it belongs, they decided to take it and smear it on the couch. And then there was popcorn. And, 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 and then we went to, let me just tell you the dumbest parenting thing we've ever done. Kristen and I, we tried to go out to eat <laughs> at 3.30 p.m. yesterday to eat Mexican. I was hungry, like I didn't eat lunch. So I was like, I don't care, take the kids, let's just go do this thing, you know, let's, let's just go, and, but the kids hadn't had a nap. And I was like, I had faith in them. I had faith in Dallas, faith in Jackson, faith in Judah, it was gonna be okay, we're gonna get through this, let's just eat and go, let's get some chips, let's get a big burrito, let's eat that thing again, get out. So we, we go, it's kinda going okay, we get the kids sat, they kinda bring us chips and all that, that stuff, they bring us chocolate, chocolate milks, and da da da. And I don't, know, I don't know what happened. A hand flew. The chocolate milk tipped over with the top on it. So we're like, okay, cool. Kristen goes to pick it up, and it was a styrofoam cup. And so she puts her hand on it, and the whole top of the thing just explodes off. So milk just starts running all over the table, falls onto her lap, apparently went down her legs into her shoes, right? Yeah, I, I don't even know how that happened. And that was before the food came. So, so I'm like, babe, we ain't leaving. I was like, we're going to get this burrito. So I hope you don't mind smelling like sour chow chocolate milk for the next 30 minutes while, while, while we can eat this thing. So that happens, and it was just 
downhill from, from there. But if you've been in family, you know family's messy. Like, it is messy, man. Like, you got people's secrets. You got people's hurts. You got people's pains. You, you, you got feelings, emotions. You've got, I mean, just, it's messy, man. It's messy. And we have to also realize in this church, there's going to be a lot of mess. Well, and you know what? You're part of it. You got mess too. We all got mess that we're bringing into this thing. And we've got to realize that, look, we're, we're all going to bring in mess, but it's okay. We say this. We are not going to, to, to run from mess. We're going to run to it. Because we're not going to change unless we actually confront it, unless we actually talk about it, unless you feel safe enough to be in this church and feel like whatever you got, it's okay. We can talk about it. We can handle it. We can work through it. Do you know what I'm saying? We've got to say, hey, look, you're welcome in this family. But also, though, dealing with family mess takes a couple things. It takes grace and truth. Grace and truth. Grace and truth. Grace is saying this, I will love you no matter what. Truth is saying, I will tell you the truth no matter what. You need both. John chapter 1, verse verse. 14 was talking about Jesus. John said this, the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. He came full of what? Grace and truth. Basically saying Jesus was the full representation of what grace and truth looked at. Looked, excuse me, what grace and, grace and truth looked like. And we can see this in Jesus's life. There were times where Jesus showed sinners incredible grace. Like, incredible grace. We've talked about this one before. The woman caught in the act of adultery, which, which back in that time was punishable by death. They brought her. They said, Jesus, what do you say we should do with her? He says, if you're without sin, cast, cast, cast the, the first stone. What did he show her? He showed her grace. But whenever people that thought they knew what they were doing, the Pharisees came on the, the scene. What did he show them? A whole lot of truth. Yeah, you guys think, think, think you're so good, and you go and make a convert, and when you make them a convert, you make them twice the son of hell that you are. Hello, my name's Jesus. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> Jesus said that, like he's, but, but he was speaking truth. Jesus was full of grace, and Jesus was full of truth, and you cannot have a church full of just grace, because then anything, can, anything goes, but you cannot have a a you cannot have a church or family just full of truth because you wound people. Have you ever been in churches like all they do is just beat you down? I mean, just beat the snot out of you. You're not good enough. You're terrible. You'll never do anything right. Who are you only giving that much money? Oh, I can't believe you're doing that. Like, and they just beat the snot out of you. And, and you're like, okay. And, and really what we think is, is that that is what changes us. Fear will only bring short-term change. What brings long-term change is love. Grace and truth. Grace and truth. Grace says, I'll love you no matter what. And we tell you in this place, we'll love you no matter what. But at the same time, we're going to be a church that's, that says truth is important. And we believe truth is so important that we will love you and tell you the truth no, no matter what. Look at the churches in the daggone New Testament that Paul founded. You talk about mess. 
communion time, Paul was confronting this church saying, during communion, you get drunk. Literally. Communion time turned into five o'clock. Communion time turned into five o'clock somewhere. They had this thing like, yeah, we're going to get together. We're going to talk about the Lord tonight. Woo! <laughs> he, he was like, you can't do that. The purpose of, of communion isn't for you to get smashed. It's not for you to eat all the bread and eat all the food and have a feast. The purpose of communion is for you to reflect on the, the broken body and shed blood of Jesus. He had to confront some mess. But these people didn't know what they were doing. He just planted a church and left and said, hey, you're going to lead it. Okay, good. All right, great. So it's, it's, it's like, look, church is going to be messy. This church is going to be messy. We're not going to be a perfect church. But Jesus is in the mess. Jesus is not scared of it. Jesus runs to it. Secondly, Mike, you can go ahead and come, come back up. I don't even know what, what time it is. 11.15, God in heaven. Family. I don't even know what, what my second point is. Can, can you put this, the second point up? <laughs> ah, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> family has roles. Family has roles. A good family has roles, right? Mother, father, son, daughter, blah, blah, blah. In the church, there are roles that each family member plays. We're going to read this scripture really, really quick. Lacey, can you put it up? This is in 1 Corinthians 12. It says, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body. And so it is with Christ. For we all were baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made of one part, but of many. Next. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part's honored with it. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. I love this because basically what this is, is saying no part of, of the family is a waste. No part of God's body does not matter. Every part in God's family matters, no matter what part you, you play. Let me tell you this. You know who, honestly, probably the most important people in this, um, the most important people in the church are on Sunday mornings? Let me tell you who it's not, me. It's not our incredible worship team. Do you know who it probably is? The parking lot team. The greeters. The ushers. Do you, do you know why, statistically speaking, people will go to a, or people decide whether they're going to go to a church for a second time within the first 10 minutes that they're at church. So that means before that, you know, before they actually hear me preach, before they hear our incredible worship team, what all really matters if they're going to come back is how they feel when they walk in the door. Do they feel valued? Do they feel cared for? Do they feel loved? Do they feel ag accepted? Actually, somebody out 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 there before service was like, I can't believe how friendly everyone is. I was like, you know who you are, Laura, what's up? No, I'm, I'm just kidding. But it's like, that's just incredible to me. Like, that's so sad to me. And that's one of the big reasons why the church is a joke. People should be coming into, I mean, should be welcome. And that's what we're gonna do. Every part in this church matters. My part in preaching is not better than, than 
any part that, that you play. As a matter of fact, it's probably a little more important. The thing is teaching, scripture tells me I'm going to be judged stricter. Like when I stand before God, I'm going to be judged stricter than anyone else. To whom much is given, much is required. But every part matters. Every part is important. And in God's body, we honor the parts that seem like they shouldn't be, be honored. Is, is there one more scripture? Okay. Oh, there's no more scriptures in that one? No? Okay. Nope. That's not it. Anyway, all right, moving on. The third part's this. Family is built and destroyed, built on and destroyed by trust. And accountability, it should have said. Basically saying, saying this, as the people of God, as the church, as family, we got to trust that each other wants the best for each other. That people are going to say, I want you to be like Christ more than you even want to be like him. And we, and man, we love each other and we encourage each other and we challenge each other and we love each other. Galatians says, says this, Galatians 6, verse 1 through 4. It says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who, by, who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens. And in the, this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. You got your own load. But sometimes you're going to have burdens. There's a difference. Load and burden. Everyone's got a, 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 a particular load that God's called them to. But there's going to be times in life where you're going to have burdens. You're going to have family die. You're going to have babies. You're going to have a you know, job is going to go out on. You're going to have a bunch of different things going on. And you know what? As this church, we're going to carry your burdens. But we need you to carry your load. Do you see that? You got to carry your load, whatever your load is, whatever God's called you to do. There is a unique load. And typically churches, people want other people to carry their load. We're called to carry burdens, not your load. Right? And we, we want to carry your burdens. We want to help you. We want to be there for you. But at the same time, we're going to challenge you to carry the load that God has given you because it's in you. Jesus called you. He chose you. He said, come and follow me. Why? Because he said, you can be like me. If you know Christ, if you've accepted Christ, you should be without a shadow of a doubt knowing Jesus chose me, he's for me, and he will give me the strength that I need to carry out the calling that I have. But your first calling isn't to something, it's to somebody. And the way that you, that you get that call to that person is through what? Discipleship. Through what? Relationship. The whole point of this whole church isn't to have a big church. It's to raise up people who love Jesus and follow Jesus wherever Jesus goes so we can impact this whole city, this whole 757 for Jesus. It's all about him. It's all for him. It's for his purpose. We want to help people experience life change through Christ. Would you stand up with me? This series here has been extremely vision-driven. If it's your first time here, thank you for coming. And and man, this is what we're doing. We're basically saying this is who our church is going to be. This is who our church is going to be. We're going to be a church that raises up disciples that follow Jesus. 
And we're going to do it in the context of relationships, just how Jesus did it. We're going to follow his model. Just with, just with every head bowed, every eye closed. You might, you might be here today. You've heard us talk about Jesus a whole lot. And possibly today we had, I don't know, five to, five to seven people last week say this, of, of just saying, this, this Jesus guy that you're talking about, I want to follow him. I want to follow him. I'm, I'm going to make a decision today to follow Jesus for the f- first time. So, so just, man, really, really quick, with every head bowed, every eye closed, maybe you would say, John, I've never accepted Jesus. I've never had a moment, a, a step over the line moment, and kind of say, I want to follow Christ. Today, you can do that. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm going to simply count to you three. If that is you, all I want you to do is take your right hand, put it up, and you can put it right back down. I just want to know who you are so I can pray for you. Okay, if you want to receive Christ today for the first time, when, when, when I say, say three, take your right hand, put it up, and put it right back down. Ready? One, two, three. Anyone here? Anyone here? Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Lifehouse fam, whether you, you put up your hand or whether you didn't, we're going to pray. And basically, everyone here, I, w- I want you to repeat this prayer after me and join in with all of those that are that are saying this prayer today for the first time. Let's pray. Jesus, I give you my life. I say today, I will follow you wherever that leads. Thank you for dying on the cross in my place and for my sins to bring me to you. I surrender myself. I surrender my heart to you to your best, to your purpose. Jesus, thank you. In Jesus' name. And everyone say, amen and amen. Can we just please give it up really quick for all those that said that prayer today? For the very first time.